Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Friends, our sermon text and gospel reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. We are in the seventh chapter. We'll take a look at verses 24 through 37. So again, this is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. It says, from there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. Now again, nine times out of ten in the Gospels, who is he? Jesus. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. My friends, I want us this morning to talk about and think about this phrase. The word made flesh. The Word made flesh. When John speaks about the Word becoming flesh in chapter 1 of his gospel, he paints a rather broad and powerful picture. We are there at creation, watching as God's Word brings the world into being. God speaks, and things are created by the power of His Word. 
And then Jesus Christ, the Word of God, becomes flesh and dwells among His people. John's vision is large, it's expansive, and it covers all of creation. And what happens at the beginning of John's gospel with its far-reaching splendor is kind of hidden away in the gospel of Mark. Buried amidst the travels of Jesus, we find the Word became flesh in another way. Maybe a little more humble, maybe a little more hidden, but filled with the compassion of God. Consider the second of the two miracles that we read about this morning. Jesus enters into the region of the Decapolis. He is in Gentile territory. Now, he has been here before. In fact, if we go back to chapter 5 of this same gospel, we see Jesus in this very same region. In chapter 5, in that encounter, Jesus is in a graveyard and he comes upon a demon-possessed man. When Jesus casts out the demons, those demons then enter into a herd of pigs. And those pigs are driven over a cliff into the sea. And seeing the power of Jesus and the destruction of their livelihood, everyone there begs Jesus to leave. <laughs> this newly healed man, though, does not. He falls down at Jesus' feet. He begs Jesus to allow him to follow our Lord. But Jesus tells him to do something completely different. He says to him, go home to your friends and tell them just how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus told this man to go and speak a word and now... Two chapters later in the same gospel, we see how that word has taken on flesh. How? Because this man did what Jesus asked. He spoke to his friends. He spoke to others there in the Decapolis. World traveled, word traveled fast, and now when Jesus arrives again, the word takes on flesh in the form of a gathering crowd. The same crowd that two chapters earlier wanted Jesus to leave and begged him to leave, now wants Jesus very much to be there. They welcome him in. And they bring to him a man who is unable to speak and unable to hear, and they ask that Jesus heal him. How many times have you gone to your friends and told them just how much the Lord has done for you? And just how much mercy he has had on you. How many times have you, when the moment presented itself, readily and willingly made a statement of faith? How many times have you, in the presence of brokenness, been able to speak a word of grace and peace? I wonder if sometimes our reluctance to speak a word of God comes from our inability to hear the word of God. St. Augustine, or St. Augustine if you'd rather, said that since Jesus is the word made flesh, every one of his actions is also a word. 
Meaning that everything that Jesus does in Scripture is a revelation of some kind of an abiding and universal spiritual truth. That means that everything that Jesus did that we read about in Scripture means something to us here and now in 2021. And to me, I think that this deaf man brought before Jesus for healing represents each and every one of us that do not or cannot hear the Word of God for one of three reasons. First, I think, is the incredible, almost never-ceasing variety of voices and sounds that competes daily for our attention. Voices from our TVs, our iPhones, our radios, movies, computers. Voices of politicians, pop stars, advertisers, preachers, musicians, commentators, clowns to the left of me, jokers to my right. If you read scripture, Elijah experienced God as the sound of sheer silence. John the Baptist heard the Lord's voice in the stillness of the desert. So how can we be anything but deaf to the word of God if we constantly find ourselves surrounded by what our little green friend in December describes as noise, 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 noise. Second is the sad fact that more and more of our friends and neighbors are staying away from the church. Whether it be worship or Bible study. And because of it, as a culture, we continue to grow more and more ignorant of the Bible. The fact is, the biblical literacy that our culture enjoyed in the 19th and early 20th century simply cannot be assumed in today's culture. It used to be that authors like Melville and Hawthorne and Faulkner and Hemingway would assume that their readers were knowledgeable about the Bible. And so sometimes their writings would contain or allude to scriptural matters. Unfortunately, that's not the case today. And third, I think that we are at times tone deaf as to what we perceive to be the Word of God in the first place. I think we have a hard time discerning between good and bad religious speech. Because make no mistake, there's a lot of speech in our world that sounds spiritual or sounds religious. But how discerning are we really as to whether or not it is the true word of God? And honestly, how can we be discerning if we are biblically ignorant and distracted. Do we have the itching ears that Timothy speaks of? And do we only seek out that which soothes our own opinions and makes us feel good? So what does Jesus do with this man? Well, he heals him. But more astounding than the healing is the way in which Jesus does it. In the previous miracle... Jesus brought about healing by speaking a word from a distance. Remember, that Syrophoenician woman, she didn't bring her daughter to Jesus. She left her daughter at home. Jesus simply spoke a word. And the woman goes home, she finds her daughter fully restored. Jesus healed her from a distance. Now, however, Jesus does not speak a word at a distance. 
This time, Jesus literally becomes that word which heals. Mark kind of slows down his narration a little bit so we can all take in the wonder of what is happening here. Consider the details of how it is that Jesus heals him. First, he takes the man away from the crowd by removing all distractions. Jesus makes it easier for this man to focus solely on him. It's no different for us, friend. The crowd is a large part of our problem. The loud voices of the masses, the prevalence of all the perceived wisdom around us, the incessant sound of the advertising culture, the confusing nonsense of competing spiritualities, all of it makes us deaf to God's word. And so this morning, as with this man, Jesus is showing us that we need to be moved away to a place of silence and communion. And the place that Jesus wants to draw us to is a place where we can be away from all the noise of the crowd, where we can immerse ourselves in the rhythm of liturgy, where we can listen intently to Scripture, where we can study our theological tradition, and where we can watch closely the moves and manners of holy people. Where do you think that place is? It's church. This is where we come to hear. This is where we need to be. And Jesus then puts his fingers into the man's ears, the place in need of healing. And then he spits and touches the man's tongue. Again, the place in need of healing. Jesus has touched this man in the places where he's most vulnerable. And in doing so, he communicates to this man that he knows. He knows his suffering. Then Jesus reveals he also knows the man's salvation. He looks up to heaven, the source of the man's healing, and he sighs. Looking up to his father, inserting his, ear, his fingers rather into the man's ears, touching the man's tongue, what Jesus is doing is establishing a connection of sorts, like an electrical current running from the father through the son into the suffering man. Now, in John's gospel, John does not say exactly how God spoke his word at creation. I imagine it would have to have been with some kind of boldness. A creative word spoken with courageous love. But here, however, when Jesus restores God's creation, when he restores this man, he does it with a sigh. He does it with a word touched with sorrow. Why? Because Jesus experiences our pain. Every one of us. Jesus does not remain at a distance from our suffering. He fully enters into it and he bears its burden. Having become the word without words that communicates to this man, I know your suffering and I know the source of your salvation, Jesus then speaks. And Mark gives us the literal word that Jesus uses. He wants us to hear it. Jesus says, Ephatha. Ephatha. And with that word, the man is healed. And what we see playing out in this story is the wonder of the word becoming flesh. 
This is Jesus using sign language to communicate with this man who could not hear. This is Jesus becoming the word that brings healing. And friends, the wonder of this story is not limited to this man in our story. It touches all of us. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus repeatedly speaks to his disciples about his passion, about his death. He makes three different passion predictions. And what Jesus says, as we know, ultimately happens. His word spoken to the disciples becomes flesh as he dies on the cross. Jesus has told his disciples that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And on that cross, friends, we see that promise come true. Jesus has taken our sin, borne our punishment in his flesh, that he might give us life and salvation in his kingdom. The question for us then is, how does this word and work of God take flesh in our lives? Because unfortunately in our world, it's becoming harder and harder to speak about religion. People simply are not inclined to listen. Our beliefs are considered fantasy by some and hate speech by others. It is hard for us to speak a word that gets heard. And yet, friends, Jesus still speaks a word to us, offering every one of us healing and wholeness. And just like our two stories today, he does it both with a word from afar and with his presence near. And we get to experience both today in this space that Jesus draws us to. Baptism is where we are all initiated into Christ's holy church where we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. Every time we see a baptism, I pray that it reminds us of our own. Whether we were sprinkled or poured or dunked, all of us share in Christ's royal priesthood. And if you've not been baptized, I pray that seeing a baptism encourages you to do so and that you think about your own and reflect upon your own salvation. This act, this outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace is the Lord speaking to us through the generations from afar, welcoming us into the family, reminding us that we are part of the family and pointing us to where we can find the healing and wholeness that our souls desire. Just like Jesus spoke to that woman's daughter in our story, so Jesus speaks to us as we remember all of our adoptions as sons and daughters of the Most High. And yet, baptism is no guarantee, is it, that we will always live the kind of lives that God asks of us. Baptized or not, we all need the covering of the blood of the Lamb to spend eternity with God. When we have communion in a little bit, this is the presence of Jesus reaching into us, just like the man's ears and tongue of earlier, touching us right where we hurt, touching us right where we lack, touching us right where we need, and healing our spiritual ills. As we come to the Lord in confession in a bit, 
And we hear those beautiful words of absolution as the bread and the juice touch our lips. May we hear the Lord our God speaking a word to us. And I pray that upon hearing that word, whatever it is and however it comes to you, that it will encourage you to touch the lives of other people. Even if we don't feel that we can speak, with acts of compassion, we can show that we know the source of pain, that we know the source of loneliness that keeps people up at night, that we know that fractured relationships may litter every one of our pasts. We know the struggles of just getting by in a land of plenty. We know, friends, that things are broken in our world. But in our actions, we reveal that just like Jesus, not only do we know, but we care. Our lives have been touched by the Lord of creation. And even without speaking, we can become God's sign language to others. So listen to him when he speaks a word to you. God has compassion for his broken world and reaches out through us to touch and to restore. Yes, we all desire to speak the words which give life, but when the world will not listen, we can still act. We can put God's love into action. Friends, his word may be humble and hidden, but it will work and will ultimately be heard. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.